Well, that was really weird. So my computer kept freezing. And while it was recording this episode, but for the first time, it just randomly decided to quit out of my computer and tell me that I needed to update my computer at that very moment in time, which, yeah, sure, I bet that I received an abundant number of notifications to tell me to update my device. But really, during the time when I'm using it, that that's when we thought it was a good time. All right, Windows. Anyways, um, so right now I'm at home and home for me is at my dad's house in South Carolina. I'm really just very much so at peace. As much as I love living in the city of Boston and being on the go all the time, it's nice to slow your pace down and be back down in the Southern rhythm because it's not as fast paced. Nothing's as serious. You get to actually enjoy your life a little bit. Not that I don't enjoy my life in Boston, but it it's kind of like this stop and appreciate the finer things in life or stop and appreciate the small things and not really focus on getting everything done at once, which I'm a huge, huge doer of. I love to be everything and everywhere all at once. So it's just really good to be home and just very comfortable for a plethora of reasons. Just nice to not have to show out for anybody, including myself. Um, just show up and be myself. Not that I have to put on a show for anybody else, but I always feel like I constantly have to perform and entertain when I'm in Boston. Whereas when I'm at home, what you see is what you get. So that's kind of where my headspace is at. And then additionally, I'm also very comfortable being home because I am sitting on a love sack And for those of you that don't know what a love sack is, it's kind of like a dog bed, but for people. So think of a massive dog bed, but for a human. That's what I'm sitting on. And it is the most comfortable thing in the entire world. And no, I'm not sponsored by Love Sack. Although if they want to sponsor me, I would totally be down for that. And I would replace my bed in my room at my apartment with a love sack and a heartbeat. And I will not say many many things about the places that I sleep, but one attribute or one distinct quality that I would give to Love Sack is it is the most comfortable thing I've ever slept on in someone else's home. Obviously, your own bed is what you're going to be the most comfortable in, but always for me, sleeping somewhere else under somebody else's roof, it is so difficult for me to get comfortable. I normally just end up sleeping on the floor. And my friend Carly in high school, every time I would spend the night over at her house, I would always sleep on her love sack. And this is also where I discovered what a love sack is. And it is the most comfortable thing I've ever slept on at somebody else's house. And so that is the the distinction that I would give to love sack. It is the most comfortable thing I've ever slept on at somebody else's house. And that's that. So let's get after it. This episode, I don't think that there is a succinct word or phrase that I can really categorize this episode, if you will. It's moreover just a feeling and a feeling of chasing a set vulnerability or I don't even know. I guess you'll moreover understand as I get to explaining it. I've recently had some pretty vulnerable and deep conversations with people that I don't know, we're kind of strangers to me. And then you end up connecting with because you have these vulnerable conversations. And 
it kind of led me to think what other what are other instances that I had that I had vulnerable conversations with somebody and there were two instances that I had that really came to mind and to be able to recall a conversation and what we talked about years ago is pretty impactful to me because I have conversations with people all the time and I'm sure people have conversations with me and they don't think anything of it but there's this feeling I don't even know how to describe it other than just this deep and vulnerable soulful connection with another human being that you're exchanging ideas and you're exchanging thoughts and confessions with somebody else and before you know it, it's 4am and you've been talking to this person for three hours and it's never planned. You never sit down and intend on having these conversations. They kind of just happen to you. And so when those conversations happen, it's a pretty amazing feeling when you walk away from it. You feel very connected to yourself. You feel very connected to that individual. And then you're kind of riding a high of that conversation for a little while. And it's just a really good feeling. And that feeling is a feeling that I want to chase with my own relationship with myself. I should be able to get to that high or get to that level of satisfaction in either thought or my writing or my art. And it's it's just not something I've been able to capture or harness or get a good grasp on other than these late night deep conversations. So to begin with, my first conversation that really comes to mind when I think of conversations that have been very lasting and impactful on me as a person and just on my mindset in general. The first one happened in 2017. I was, uh, I just graduated high school and all of my friends and I went on a senior trip to Myrtle Beach, which if you've never heard of Myrtle Beach, it is the epitome of poorest town. It is absolutely dingy and dusty, underage kids drinking everywhere with middle-aged men and women, and no one bats an eye at it. And it was fun. That's kind of what the aura of Myrtle Beach was. Um, It's kind of funny because with all of that going on, the juxtaposition of the underage kids drinking and going out to bars with middle-aged men, and then my friend Brian and I were back at our house that we were staying at and we were hanging out at the boy's house and we just gotten Bojangles. And for those of you that don't know what Bojangles is, it's the best fried chicken in the South you'll ever eat. It'll clog your arteries up for a good old three to four solid business days. And you'll be pretty much out of commission on eating fried food again for another month or so. Anyways, that's a summary on Bojangles. So Brian and I had just consumed some Bojangles and I don't know I can't even remember if we were high or drunk or what was really going on I think we were both sober somehow we were sitting by ourselves and we just started talking and again it was one of those conversations that you don't intend on it ever these are conversations that you don't ever intend on having a heart-to-heart with somebody and then you do and we just started talking just shooting shit for a little bit and then All of a sudden, there's always just a a break in conversation and someone either asks a question or something vulnerable is confessed and then you just dive a little bit further into that. And I can't remember what was said or what was asked to really get into this, but I remember Brian was expressing to me that 
it is so sad to see people affected so heavily by social media and in a multitude of ways. Primarily, he was talking about people being sort of mind controlled, if you will, by social media and not really caring much about anything besides for social media and technology. And I remember pretty vividly that he was saying that there is probably a cure for cancer. There's probably a cure for global warming and all these solutions for AIDS and a lot of revolutionary devices that can be made to be that can be iterated on. And we can advance forward with our physical and mental and environmental health. But instead, we choose to believe that the most innovative thing that occurs every year is the new release of the iPhone. And that's what everyone chooses to fester on and spend all their time thinking about. And it's just sad to see that it's impacted social media or it's impacted so many people in such a high capacity because all they care about is social media and all they see is this information that's being force fed down our throats by Apple is that there's a new iPhone coming out and there's a new this and that and never anything of substance. And yes, that can be argued today that now algorithms are being made that are pushing out information that's more geared towards you. That's awesome. But only if your algorithm is actually pushing information that you find valuable. Like I know for me, the information that I get pushed is about sustainability and environmentalism and minimalism and things of that nature. But I also have my fair share of fast fashion and other non-sustainable practices that kind of contradict each other. And the more time that I spend on one, the more that I get geared towards that. So it was kind of just really, this was again in 2017. This was us looking at what we were going to be expecting in the upcoming years. So that was just one of the topics that we talked about and how innovation isn't what it should be. And then additionally, we started talking about faith and how faith is kind of portrayed in a negative light on social media and how it's mocked and kind of made in some sort of satirical bit that having faith in a greater power or having faith in a religion is funny. It's laughable. It's not real, which I'm not a believer in faith, but Brian said something to me that stuck with me all these years later. And it was an analogy about life and an analogy about why he had faith in God, in his religion. And now I'll share it with you all because maybe it'll strike a chord for you um, like it did for me. He compared life to a waiting room at a doctor's office and said, you can do whatever you want in this waiting room. You can read a book. You can put on a magic show. You can do anything in this waiting room. But the one thing that you want to make sure that you're not doing is getting kicked out because the last thing that you're going to want is to get kicked out of the waiting room, not allowed back to the doctor's office, because when you need the doctor and he doesn't want to see you, you're really going to be hurting. And that kind of put in perspective to me and allowed me to have a deeper appreciation for other people who have faith to understand what goes through their mind, because I never really understood. I never went to church as a kid. I never got into the depths of religion and what it really means to people. But him telling me this and comparing life to a waiting room and you going to see the doctor at the end of the day 
that really put into perspective for me how much people value their faith and their religion. And obviously I know that because people get Bible verses tattooed on them and they go to church every Sunday. I understand. I get it. But that really is what hit home for me and what struck a chord for me. And so that was kind of my conversation with Brian. Um, We probably talked about a variety of other things, but from 2017 and it's now 2023, that's what I remember. And it's kind of a lot considering the fact that it was, what, six years ago? The next conversation that I had was with one of my friends, Sterling, who he was on the football team and my friends Gabby and Claire lives in the football residence hall. And so we met each other because they lived in the same hall together. And he was also in engineering and we'd spend a lot of time together in their residence hall. And then additionally, in some of our engineering classes together, I just want to put this out there. I was never the best at math and basic math because I was never taught principles of how math worked, like how you can't divide by a square root, things like that. Like you can't do these silly little math things anyways. And honestly, maybe you can divide by a square root. I'm just really not sure. So Nick and Alex, can you please do a check on that? Anyways, and so Sterling was actually really good at calculus, and he offered to tutor me, and I was in desperate need of a tutor, and so I, my mom set up tutoring sessions with him and would Apple pay him the money, and we kind of just would hang out and riff for a little bit before and after, and there was this one day where we were hanging out and we were having good conversation and we just kept talking and it just kept going more into depth about also his religion and how he came from a place where he wasn't really proud of the behaviors that he was taking part in and wanted to turn to religion to kind of be his guiding light to help himself out of a dark spot in his life. And work towards something that was greater than himself. And he also gave me a really great analogy about a watch becoming a tangible item just from sand. I wish that it was, I could say it as eloquently as he did and remember it and recount it as well as he told it in the first place. So I won't try and butcher it, but basically he expressed to me that there's a lot of things that people can do with change and people can change a lot and they don't need to have an explanation as to why and he told me how much he's changed from high school to college and he largely attributed that to his baptism that he had with his girlfriend and how impactful that that was for him in his life and how much that really saved him as a human in terms of how he valued himself, how he valued his life, how he valued others' lives. And because he felt so changed as a person in a very positive manner, he also wanted to help others realize their potential and realize kind of what makes them tick and assess if they're where they want to be at in life. And he called it a disciple. Again, this got to be a really religious discussion, but I always was very fascinated by people who have deep religious roots because a lot of the times 
religion does have good themes of how to focus on things that are important and also how to serve other people while also simultaneously serving yourself and being the best version of yourself. And so that's how I choose to look at religion, trying to be the best version of yourself and how that can also positively impact other people. So that's kind of my approach to religion. So in him telling me this, this is how I'm digesting it. Well, also at the same time, being a 20-year-old or what am I, 19 at that point in time, a 19-year-old that's just trying to figure out who they are as a person and maybe faith was something that was going to define my life. But anyways, he was talking to me about how he wanted to have a disciple. And so he wanted to help me figure out my path in life and my path with faith and religion. It really just got to be one of those conversations that you're hearing a lot of information and you're digesting a lot of information and you're gaining a lot of insight on life. And that's a similar feeling that I had with Brian. That conversation with Sterling reminded me of my conversation with Brian. And so I texted Brian and I was like, hey, I just want to let you know, I still think about our conversation and I just told your doctor's waiting room analogy to my other friend that I just had a deep connection with. And then him and I started talking and it was just one of those feelings that everything comes full circle and it is really impactful to see that vulnerable conversations can happen with people and they're never planned. They're never planned. I hadn't had one of those in a really long time. And I recently just had like almost two over the weekend. And I would say that the first two conversations I had with both Brian and Sterling were more over me listening and me absorbing and me being a sponge on these matters and on these conversations. And I was just allowing these ideas to bounce off of me and participating enough in the conversation to learn more. But also, moreover, I was learning from the conversation. I had a conversation with a guy named Travis and it was, again, one of those situations that you don't plan and you just start talking to somebody and you don't know when it turns into this deep conversation. But suddenly we were talking about kind of our artistic outlets and our mental health. And these are both things that I don't really get to talk about often. And so me talking about my mental health and my artistic outlets being painting and writing, it was just really nice to have somebody to connect with on that and to understand what it's like to try and express yourself, but not always feel like other people understand and hear you. Because again, or not hear you, but understand and listen to you. Because a lot of the times people will hear you, but they don't listen to you. They don't understand you. And that was something that I didn't realize that I was missing. And I didn't really realize that it had been since 2018 that I had a deep conversation with another individual about feelings and life and potential and kind of just, again, a vulnerable conversation. And to have a vulnerable conversation again with somebody about my artistic outlets and about his artistic outlets, it just really is one of those feelings that you gain so much from. And this felt moreover like 
a conversation where we were both inputting things about how we felt and how we deal with our emotional health and our mental health by translating that into art and into work and how drawing and writing are so therapeutic while also so vulnerable. And sometimes it's shameful to admit that you are interested in doing those things. And a lot of the times people are embarrassed that they have these hobbies that stray away from the hobbies of other people. I took a lot of comfort in hearing that it wasn't something that he was ashamed of. And it made me feel like I shouldn't be ashamed that I write poetry. And it's not good. I'm not going to pretend like I'm some sort of sonnet writer like Shakespeare or Edgar Allan Poe. It's definitely nothing along those lines. But it means something to me. And that's really all that matters. And that was kind of my main takeaway from the conversation. There was no specific one-liners or information that really hit home in one sort of capacity it was really the holistic it was really just the entirety of the whole conversation that we were able to connect with each other and have an understanding of one another just because we were both creators and we both appreciated art and we both appreciated expressing ourselves through art it was just a really satisfying feeling to have this conversation with somebody and again before you knew it it's 4 a.m and you're like I don't understand how this conversation escalated in the way that it did, but I feel very satisfied and I feel very whole as a person after having this conversation. And so that happened to me. It was on a Friday night. On Saturday the next day, I I just love to talk to people. And so my friend Savina had a bunch of people over to her apartment after being out one night. I ended up talking to one of the guys that was there and I always just, whenever I'm lacking for content or information, I always kind of just play a game of 20 questions of, all right, well, I have nothing in common with you people. Let's figure out something that I might have in common with you. And so this time I started off with, I looked at this group of people and I said, okay, what's everyone's biggest fear? I'll go first to kind of set the stage. I'm afraid of Ted Bundy. And I know that that's an irrational fear because Ted Bundy's dead, blah, blah, blah. And kind of went into sort of an irrational fear. And then I looked over to Mike and he said, I'm really afraid of never being in a position where I will never talk to my friends or family ever again. You would think in that moment I would be like, oh, this is going to be a really deep conversation. No, it wasn't. It was kind of just like, oh, wow, that's an interesting fear. Let's go into that. And so just started talking to him and having a better understanding of what life means to him. Because for me, it's so interesting. We're all so different from one another. And just hearing about people's thoughts on life and people's views on their current state, being that you're 24, I'm also 24. You'd imagine that we'd have a lot in common. And we do. We really do as a human American collective have a lot of a lot in common with other 24-year-olds a majority of the time. And so we just kept talking and talking about what it's like being 24 and not really understanding what you're doing with life. And he said this thing and he was like, I really appreciate talking to you because it's not like you're preaching at me, but I am learning from you. And that, or I felt a lot of gratitude in that because that's kind of how I approach this podcast. I 
don't want anyone to think that I'm preaching at them to tell them how to be an adult. I'm just giving insight on my experiences and what I've learned so that maybe other people can take comfort or maybe other people can have some stimulating conversations of their own. And that's all that I'm looking to do. I'm not looking to preach at anyone. And so for him to say that and verbalize that without me even making any sort of notion that number one, I had this podcast and number two, that that was really the topic that we looked to cover was how to really be an adult or an aspiring adult, if you will. It was, again, just one of those feelings. You walk away from the conversation and you're like, wow, that was great. I love that conversation. I can go to bed happy. And again, I just want to say that these aren't conversations that are ever planned and that you can that you can force. You can't force to have a conversation, a deep, vulnerable conversation with somebody that doesn't want to have it or someone that's not ready for it, or better yet, someone who's not capable of having it. There are some people that you'll meet that can't really get deep with you, that is kind of just a surface level being, and that's fine. A lot of my conversations with people are surface level, and they don't really get into any spirituality or deeper understanding and vulnerability of one another or vulnerability of yourself or confessions, things like that. And you would think that you could. You can't plan them. You can't plan them. And that's kind of, I know that I don't really, I said this at the beginning, I don't have a succinct way of saying what this is, but it's a feeling that I now want to chase. And I know that if I do try and chase it, it's not going to be as authentic. And so I'm going to try and limit myself, but I'm going to also not shy away from any opportunities to have these deep conversations with people because the more you learn about other people, the more you also learn about yourself is something that I've recently learned specifically about myself. And having deep, vulnerable conversations is kind of been a vesicle for that for me and yeah so this in summary has been how these 4am conversations have made a lasting impact on me and that I'm kind of just chasing that feeling now I'm chasing that high and chasing that level of satisfaction and comfort that's all I have so thanks for listening to this week's episode of aspiring adult and I will see you next week